Come on, awesome. Well, uh, man, what a privilege to be here. Humbled that I get to be here. What a great church. You guys have an amazing church, don't you? Um, uh, I'm from Portland, Oregon at City Bible Church. Uh, my wife Kirsten's there, and I've got a little 16-month-year-old son, Avery. I'm not from Portland originally. Uh, something gives it away, the skinny jeans, the haircut, the pointy shoes, something. Um, but I was born and raised in Australia and then made my way to Portland and now I get to serve at City Bible Church with Pastor Frank and Sharon, Pastor Mark uh, and Susan Estes. But you guys have incredible pastors. Uh, pastors J.O. and Ray Dean, man, I'm privileged to preach and I'm like stealing stuff as I go away. I'm like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what they do right here. And so can you put your hands together because you guys... I've got some world-class pastors right here. Um, and, and I don't know what it is. There's something about this church. There's like an abnormally high number of good-looking people. <laughs> just, it's just, I don't know what it is. It's just, it must be church. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I'm privileged. I get to uh, do the youth camp here, and I'm excited to hang out with young people. Um, from Australia, I'm glad that you guys forgot that we're... Na- originally a nation started by criminals. Um, glad you guys forgot about that when you said, hey, why don't you come hang out with our young people? Don't worry, I've changed. God's done a good work. Um, we're going to have a great time this morning. Um, well, let's jump into it. Why don't, we, uh, why don't you guys throw the first scripture up? Uh, I want to talk to you guys um, and share a thought with you about, about what's our purpose. What, what, what's the point to what God is doing in your life? When you've encountered God, when God does something good in you, it's not just for your sake. It's not just so that you can become a better Christian. It's not just so that you can get all clean and dressed up and look so good at church. I love those things. I like looking good in church. Hey. But uh, there's so much more than what God, it, it's more than what He just wants to do inside of you. In 1 Peter 2, verse 9, it says this You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. There's a purpose. There's a reason why God did something in you. There's a a purpose to why God has called you out of darkness. And this morning, I want to share a thought. Um, And it really came to me when a pastor shared, uh, he, he said this statement and it really stuck with me. He said, God's called us to be pilgrims, not tourists. He's called us to be pilgrims, not tourists. I would be a tourist here in Coeur d'Alene. I'm not from here. You know who we are because we wander around. We're trying to find where the coffee shop is. The cameras are out. You recognize who a tourist is, right? When you're a tourist, you kind of have no aim. You have no agenda. You're there to see the sights. But that's not what God's called us to. God's not called us to be tourists. He's called us to be a pilgrim because the difference between a tourist and a pilgrim is a pilgrim has a point, a destination they're trying to reach. There's a focus to what they're doing. And this morning, I want to talk or at least share with you what our focus is and what God is doing in your world. What is the purpose to why he's called us out of darkness? There's a purpose to it. My prayer this morning is that we would find our purpose. And this church is expanding naturally. That building program, I saw the building, man, that's going to be just smoking. That thing is awesome. I'm glad, I'm glad God uses buildings, their facilities, but the church is, is you and me. And so our purpose and my prayer is that we would produce fruit. Grab your Bibles and turn me to Genesis chapter 4. I want to read a famous passage of Scripture. You've probably read it before. And uh, I'm going to read it from the Sky Bible um, just because I like to. So just forgive me while my back's turned while I read from here. It's just a little bit easier than reading on my notes. The sound guys are just phenomenal. You guys, you know, everybody notices when you make a mistake. 
And you guys are just on it. Thank you so much. Let's read Genesis 4, verse 2 to 13. It says, Later she gave birth to his brother, that would be Eve, uh, Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions, from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother and Abel and killed him. And then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know. He replied, am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse. Underline that word. It's not something we talk a lot about in church, but let's have some fun. Why don't we underline that word curse? You are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. And you will be a what? Restless wanderer. You should underline that. On the earth. And Cain answered to God, my punishment is too great to bear. One more scripture, Matthew 13, 18 to 23. As you're turning there, we're going to look at a parable that Jesus uh, shared. Jesus would often speak in parables, stories, and he didn't explain them all, but this one we have the privilege. He explains what he's talking about. In Matthew 13, 18, famous passage. If you've been in church any amount of time, you'd know it. Um, if not, that's okay. I'll just give a brief synopsis for you. Matthew 13, 18, um, as you're going there, Jesus tells a story about a farmer that begins to sow seed, and this farmer goes out and begins to scatter seed, and some seed falls on a path. On, on some rocks and immediately birds come and take the seed away, snatch it away immediately. And then some seed that falls on the soil, but the soil is shallow. It's rocky underneath and it springs up immediately. But because there's no depth, the sun comes out, scorches it, it withers and it dies. The next category is there's some seed that falls on the ground and it springs up and it's doing great. But then thorns and thistles grow up with it and it begins to choke it, causing it to be unfruitful. And lastly, there's some seed that falls on the soil and it's good soil and it produces a crop 30, 60 and and a hundredfold. Jesus tells this parable, and afterwards the disciples come to him and say, What did you mean by that? And in verse uh, 13, uh, sorry, thir Matthew 13, verse 18, is where we, we hear the explanation. And so why don't we read this together? It says, Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to somebody who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And this is where I want to focus this morning on this one type of heart condition. The seed falling among the thorns refers to somebody who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it what? Un fruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to somebody who hears the word and understands it. This morning, I want to look at what's our purpose. What is the purpose to what God has done in our lives? As you're taking down notes, just write down this thought. Uh, wander no more. Wander no more. There's a point, a purpose to why God is doing such a good work in our lives. Let's pray this morning, invite God in to speak to us, to speak to me. He's already here. We don't have to beg for his presence. 
um, but we're opening up a heart for expectation. Jesus, we thank you for your word. God, it doesn't return void. God, I pray that our heart condition would be good soil. God, the words that you speak, not my words, but you, your words, God, would produce a crop, that there would be fruit, that there's a purpose to why you called every single person in this service that can hear my voice. God, I pray that this city is going to be impacted by this church, by these people. Father, this city is going to be turned upside down. Father, there's an outpouring of your spirit happening in this church. God, it's going to infiltrate society. It's going to infiltrate this city. God, I cannot wait to hear the testimonies of what you're doing here at Heart of the City Church. God, have your way this morning. And everybody said, hey, man. Many of us would have read the story of Cain and Abel before. Um, but but, but when, when I read the story of Cain and Abel, it occurred to me that the story seems a little bit unfair. Has it ever occurred to you? I mean, in the story, we have a lot of firsts. We've, we've got the first brothers of the first siblings. We've got the first sibling squabble. We've got the first offering brought to God. We've got the first murder. Things have escalated quickly. We need CSI. Humanity's one generation in. Uh, it just and and I look at this story and it seems just a little bit unfair. Did it occur? Has it occurred to you? Does it seem like Cain got away with, you know, murder? <laughs> You're like now it occurs to me. I just I mean like God. The consequences. The punishment isn't really the. Recipro- like it's, 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 it's not valid. That. Like I think it should be a little bit more severe. It occurs to me that Cain's punishment just seems a little bit unfair due to the nature of the situation. You and I would have all experienced unfairness before. You, you, you've grown up. You're a sibling. You've got a brother or sister. They get something you don't. It's unfair. You as a parent, you have to tell your kids, life's not fair. It's like, you, you know what I'm talking about? We've, we've experienced unfairness. Somebody gets promoted above you. It shouldn't have happened. You miss out on something. Life's not fair. I, I remember my wife. My wife and I, uh, we were married a couple of years and we decided we wanted to purchase a house. And being from Australia, uh, I had one condition. All I wanted was a fireplace because in Australia it's warm, it's toasty, no need for fireplaces. Now I live in the Northwest. Uh, the Northwest is best. And uh, all I wanted was a fireplace. It's cozy when it's winter time. I just want to have a fireplace to snuggle up to. It seemed romantic. It seemed like a good idea. That was my condition. My wife, on the other hand, she had a couple of more requirements. She wanted a kitchen, you know, the granite countertops, stainless steel appliances, the four bedrooms, the living room, a nice backyard, bolted ceilings. You know what I mean? It's just, we, we had our conditions and that's fine. And so we now were on a search to find a house that fit both of our Neat. I had one, she had a couple, but that's fine. It's cool. It's, it, it is what it is. And so as we're looking, uh, we think we found the perfect house. And so we go to our real estate agent and said, hey, we like to purchase this house. We've been saving. And so we submit an offer on this house. And lo and behold, a few weeks later, nothing happens. And I'm like, I've never bought a house before, so I don't know if this is the process. Are they playing hard to get? Are they wanting me to like stretch a little bit more? You know what I'm saying? I just, I'm not understanding what's going on here. So I talked to my real estate agent. I'm like, hey, is there anything happening on the house? And she says, I haven't heard anything back. Why don't we resubmit the offer? And so we go back and we resubmit the offer and weeks go by and we hear nothing. Nothing. I'm like, you too good for me? Is my money not good enough for you? It's because I'm Australian, isn't it? You, and so it, time goes by. We, I have no idea why our, the house isn't being purchased, but we come to find out. A, a real estate agent calls us one day and said, the selling agent, the reason why it hasn't, you haven't bought this place is because the selling agent hasn't submitted any of your offers. Are you serious? 
Yeah, she's holding it for some of her relatives and so she's not submitting any of it. Are you kidding me? That's not fair. That's not right. That is not right. It's, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't fair. You've experienced unfairness before. It's, it's not right. When I read the story of Cain and Abel, it occurred to me it, it's not right. He, he murders his brother. It's not manslaughter. It's premeditated. And the, his punishment is that he gets a mark on his body and he gets to wander around restlessly. He gets tatted up. And he gets to be a hippie the rest of his life. You serious? <laughs> it, it, it doesn't seem fair. God, Cain's not really missing out on life, so to speak. It doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of punishment here. Yet, could I be the one mistaken on what the real life is all about? Could I be the one mistaken on what a blessed life looks like? He was under a curse. Could I be the one mistaken what the good life, the favored life, the fortunate life looks like? You see, if you flip back just a couple of pages in your Bible, Genesis chapter 1, we have the story of Adam and Eve, and God outlines for you and me what the blessed life, a favored life, a fortunate life, a good life actually looks like. Genesis 1 verse 28, you may have read it before, but it says, God blessed Adam and Eve, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. The blessed life, is a life that's fruitful. The blessed life, the good life, is a life that has the ability to produce something. A couple months ago, I told my wife, you know what, baby? Um, I, I'm going to build us a dining room table. I, I'm going to do it. And I built a dining room table with my bare hands. Why? Because I'm a man. That's how I roll, okay? Um, I know you're judging me in my skinny jeans, but hey, I built a table. And when people come over, we're in church, don't judge. When we, people come over my house, I, I'm really happy. With, I'm like, hey, check out this table. Yeah, I built it. I'm, I'm, there's something satisfying when you produce something, right? When you produce something, you're satisfied. One, one year we decided for our kids, we, we, we do a youth camp just like you guys would do. And not every single person can afford to go to camp and so we decided to come up with a fundraiser we're going to raise as much money as possible and we're sitting around the, the round table and we're thinking up ideas of what we can do to raise as much money as possible and we hit upon this genius genius idea it was a stroke of genius we decided that we were going to put on a fun run because what's more fun than running Let's run and have some fun if you run and have fun we're going to make some money it's a fun run let's have some fun and run people are going to pay to participate in a fun run. It's a win-win situation we can't lose. It's, it, was, it, was, it was brilliant. It was our worst fundraiser ever, but hey, we were committed to it, and we were going we to we we see this thing through. And so we're getting organized for the fun run. And, and as we're getting organized, a couple weeks prior to the event, somebody in our church emailed me, and they said, you know, hey, Dylan, so excited for the fun run. He was the only one. Um, and uh, he, I'm so excited about this fun run. I'm super stoked to be running. Just so you know, uh, I'm going to beat you so badly, you're going to cry like a schoolgirl. You're going to eat my dust. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to embarrass you in front of your friends. And I just wanted to let you know that ahead of time. You're dashing it. I'm a pastor, super spiritual, <laughs> sitting at my desk. <laughs> Replied, 
typed back. I said, dear brother in Christ, because it's how pastors communicate. Dear brother in Christ, thank you for your message. It was well received. <laughs> but just so you know, there's not a snowball's chance in Hades <laughs> that you are going to beat me. It's game on. The fun run all of a sudden stopped being fun. The fun run was now, it, it's, it's competitive. We're going to, I'm putting in work. I start training. I'm getting up early. I'm running. I'm doing laps. I'm carbo loading. I don't, it was like a 5K, but I'm carbo loading. And I'm making sure. I do not care if I have fun at this fun run anymore. All I care about is beating this dude. I don't even have to come first. All I have to do is beat this guy. And so come to race day. It's a fun run. It's a 5K. And I have butterflies. What is wrong with me? I'm nervous. And we get up there and he's like talking and I'm being like Jesus, silent, because I'm right. And um, we, get, we, and we get to the line and we race. And it was, it was a good day, people. I spanked him. And, and there was something. Sorry, I love, I, I think it's funny. I, I, there's something so satisfying about beating him because I put in all this work. When you put in work for something and you see the fruit of it, have you ever felt that feeling of satisfaction? Why? Because it was God's original intention. When you produce something, when you produce fruit from your life, you're experiencing the blessed life. But unfortunately, as you read the story, you know Adam and Eve, sin entered the world. They ate the apple. They shouldn't have. And sin entered. And when sin entered, it says that the blessed life was going to be a little bit more difficult, hard, nay, nearly impossible. Why? Because there was a curse put upon humanity. And in Genesis chapter 3, notice, notice what that curse was. It says that God spoke to Adam and he said, because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree about which I commanded you. You must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat fruit from it all the days of your life. And it will produce what? Thorns and thistles. The curse was a limitation to producing fruit. It stopped humanity from experiencing the blessing. And so when you read the story of Cain, all of a sudden it begins to dawn on me that the punishment that Cain received, I understand why he said my punishment is too great to bear. Notice what Cain's livelihood was. What was his purpose? It was found in producing fruit. It's what he did for a living. And his punishment was he was relegated to wandering. And in his wandering, he had no ability to produce fruit. He couldn't till the ground. Cain's punishment was that he lived a life of no purpose. Forever, he was destined to wander, never experiencing purpose. He had no ability to produce fruit. And it's amazing that Cain's curse, how quickly and easily it becomes our lifestyle. We've got humanity wandering, looking for something 
That'll satisfy them. Looking for purpose. We find people looking for relationship, thinking if I just find the one, then I'll be satisfied. And when the one doesn't work out, we look for another one. And when that one doesn't work out, I'll finally find the one. And we find people looking for something to satisfy and in their wandering, never find purpose. We've got people looking for things to satisfy, career or success. We want more likes on Instagram. If we can get that, then we'll finally be satisfied. We've got humanity living without purpose. We find people wondering. And unfortunately, it's not just for people outside of the church. There's people inside the church that wander. Obviously not here at this service. It was all the first service people. But we've got people in the church that have chosen a lifestyle of wandering. How about this one? Preacher's not meeting my needs anymore. I'm not being fed like I need to. I need to go to somewhere else. The Australian guy they brought in, he's not funny. He's not as funny as they told me. I need to go find somewhere else. And we've got people that wander. We've got people, if I go to this church, this is where it's happening now. This is where God's moving. And as soon as it's not happening anymore, let me find the next hot spot. Let me go wander some more. And we wonder why we're never satisfied. We wonder why our life doesn't have purpose. It's because we have an inability to produce fruit. How about this one? We wonder because at church we get offended. Our society has made being offended a virtue. Pastor said something, it rubbed me the wrong way, it hurt. I need to go look somewhere else. There's been abuse, I get that, but man, I just felt that for this service. The last time I checked, most of the time we grow is when we experience pain. And there's people that care enough about us to tell us the truth, even when we don't want to hear it. And yet we use it as an excuse to wander, wondering why we're never satisfied. We live a life of no purpose because we're relegated to a life of wandering. Cain's curse has become our lifestyle. Can I say, when we wander... When we don't produce fruit in our life, could it be that we live under a curse? Let me say it just a little bit nicer. When we don't produce fruit, could it be we miss out on the blessing? When it comes to my life, I have to look, God, what what is my fruit? Or do I find myself Wandering. You know, there's a curious story in the Gospels that Jesus is walking down the road one day, and as he's walking, he notices a fig tree. And what does he do to the fig tree? He walks up to it expecting to find what? Fruit. And finding no fruit on this tree, it says that Jesus cursed the tree. The tree came under a curse. The next day, the disciples and Jesus walked back down the same path. And the disciples said, hey, Jesus, the tree that you were talking to, look, it's withered. It's dried up and it's withered from the root system up. It had an inability to produce fruit. It was weak and it was anemic. The root system, what was supposed to source this tree, didn't sustain it. We've got people looking for things to sustain themselves. They're rooted in the wrong thing, having an inability to produce fruit. Producing fruit starts with having the right root system, having yourself rooted in the right 
thing. It starts not by looking for something outside. It looks for something inside. It's not an external issue. It's an internal one. We're in church, and so we obviously know the answer is, well, Jesus. Jesus said, come to me, and you'll never thirst again. I'm the vine. You're the branch. You're, you're what's supposed to plug into me. If you don't have a relationship with God, you have an inability to produce lasting fruit. It starts by having the right root system, the right source, the right thing that sustains you. If you don't know God, it's, you're relegated to living a life without purpose. But the parable that Jesus talks about in Matthew, Matthew, he's not talking about those that don't know God. He's talking about those that do know God. It says that the seed was sown and it grew up into a plant. But notice what happened to that plant. It says that the thorns and the thistles choked it, stopping it from being unfruitful. Those thorns and thistles didn't kill the plant. No, the, the shallow soil and the sun did, but, but the thorns and the thistles didn't kill the plant. It just stopped it from functioning the way it was supposed to. It looked like a plant, acted like a plant. It just didn't function the way it was supposed to. C could we be that we as Christians, we can be a Christian, look like a Christian, act like a Christian, yet there's certain things that cause us to not function like one. A plant's purpose is in producing fruit. And Jesus goes so far to actually tell you and me what stops you from producing fruit. He goes so far as to tell us what stops you, what, what chokes fruit from your life. Did you catch what Jesus said? Jesus said this. He said, the worries of this world. The worries of this world. Is there anybody else here that worries about anything? Or is it just me? Anybody else here get anxious about certain things, worried about certain things, things weigh you, weigh you down, keep you up at night? Is it just me or is there anybody? Oh, yeah, I've got like 10 honest people, so good. <laughs> Jesus said that the worries of this life, the worries of this world choke the fruit from us. What, what do we worry about? We worry about relationship. Are we in the right one? Did we meet the right run? How's our spouse? We, we worry about relationship. We worry about our family, our kids. We worry about what we're going to wear, where we're going to live, how we're going to pay the bills. There's certain things we worry about. We worry about the clothes that we're going to wear. We worry about certain things. And have you ever considered what worry does to you and me? Have you ever considered what worry causes you and I to do. If you're anything like me, what worry, what worry causes me to do is it causes me to get my focus on my problems and not other people's. Have you, have you thought about what worry does to you and me? Worry causes me to look inward, not outward. Worry causes me to focus on what I can get from people, not what I can give to people. When we allow worry to consume our lives, anxiety to creep in, we're so focused on ourselves, we're never looking to how we can reproduce ourselves in others. So much so, uh, our society, anxiety is a disorder now. It creeps in, causes our focus so inward, we're never looking to who we can help. We're always looking to get what we can from people. And worry begins to choke you and me, and it stops us from being unfruitful. You know, for me, my fear in life isn't making a mistake. My fear in life is missing out on the opportunity that God's put in front of me. 
Anybody here worry about your time and your schedule? I've got to get from A to B and I've got to make sure I do this and that. I miss the opportunity of talking to that gas attendant. I miss the opportunity of talking to the grocery clerk. I miss the opportunity of talking to the co-worker, the, the person in my family. I miss, I miss out on opportunities because I'm focused on myself. Am I the only one? And I find worry begins to stop me from producing fruit. But Jesus takes another step and he says, the thorns and the thistles, the, the worries of this world. But notice what he else he said. He said, it's also the deceitfulness of wealth. The deceitfulness, the deceitfulness of the deceitfulness of wealth. What does that even mean? The deceitfulness of the, the lie of wealth? There's a notion in society that the person with the most toys wins. There's a notion the person that has the biggest bank account is secure. The person that has everything you could possibly want is satisfied. There's a notion that the more stuff you have, the more satisfied you'll be. The deceitfulness of wealth, the deceitful, the lie of wealth is this, we mistake what real fruit is. We spend our lives chasing something we think will satisfy only to find out it was never able to fill a void. It was never supposed to be our purpose. There's some people that are so poor, all they have is money. And in our pursuit of happiness, in our pursuit of what would satisfy, there's worries that choke fruit. There's things that we go after thinking, if I can get this, then I'll be satisfied. Then I'll be secure. And 2008 helped readjust our outlook on that. There's things that begin to creep in and choke the fruit from our lives. Am I the only one? And I have to be honest with myself, there's things that stop me from producing fruit. Ever since Adam and Eve, there's been a curse upon mankind, thorns and thistles, things that stop you and I from producing fruit. But I have to believe that what Jesus did on the cross was more than just take care of my past. What Jesus did on, my cro on the cross was more than enough to take care of my problems and my sin, but He provided a future for me. Notice what Jesus did on the cross. It says that He took nails in His hands for our sin. A divine exchange began to take place. His side was pierced for our guilt. What else? He was beaten so we wouldn't have to beat ourselves up anymore. But what was put on His head? What crowned our Saviour was a crown of thorns. The curse of mankind was put upon God. And the purposes of God was put back on man. What Jesus did on the cross was not just give us the ability to be forgiven and washed clean, praise God for those things. But what Jesus did on the, on the cross was He broke the curse on mankind so that we could experience the blessing. What Jesus did on the cross, He caused us to not have to be anxious for anything, but in prayer and supplication, present our request before God and the peace of God surpasses all understanding. Seek first the kingdom of God and all the things that people worry about, I'm gonna give to you. When you know what God's done for you, you recognize God, I'm secure, I'm safe in you, but notice Jesus, it says, for the joy set before Him, not just does He take care of worries, but He shows us what real fruit is. Real fruit is the people we get.
get to reach the people that God gives us the privilege to interact with every single day. What satisfies me is not the platforms I get to preach on. It's not the applause. What satisfies me is the people that I get to touch and change and transform and allow God to move in their life. Have you seen somebody give their life to Jesus? Have you brought somebody to church and seen God move in their life? It's addicting. It satisfies. Christianity all of a sudden became robust. Instead of walking around anemic in our faith, all of a sudden we're producing fruit. There's purpose to what God is doing in our life. Are you producing fruit? Am I producing fruit? There's people that I get the privilege. I led to Jesus at a Taco Bell, at a high school, at a church service. Michael, David, Tamara, Sam, Royce. People you don't know, but there's people that I got the privilege to lead to Jesus. And it's addicting. It's satisfying. The only commodity that's eternal isn't the stuff that we accumulate. The only commodity that's eternal is the people we get to reach. It was what caused our Savior to die on the cross. It's what goes with us to heaven The eternal commodity is people that you get to reach. As the bands come to the platform, I want to just share a story about one of the guys in our youth group. He's 50 years old, and he helps me out with youth. You're never too old or young. His whole life, he was a drug addict. He prison. He's kind of in and out of the system, gave his life to Jesus, and he said, Dylan, I just I, I want to do something. What can I do? And I said, hey, you want to help me pick up kids? Pick up kids from low-income apartments. And he said, I can do that. He works as a welder up at 3 a.m. every morning. So we started picking up kids. We gave him a church van, and he'd go out and pick up kids. And soon that van became full, so we'd do two loads. He'd go out on a Wednesday before service, pick up students, bring them to church, then go out again, pick up more, drop them off. And then after service at 9 o'clock, turn around, drop a load off, come back, drop another load off, get home around midnight up at 3 a.m. to work. And I felt bad for him. I'm like, man, you're doing so much. But he found something that satisfied him. He found something with eternal significance. He found what he was supposed to do he found his purpose it was reaching people you'll never know who he is but he's a hero you'll never know who he is but heaven does he found his purpose and it was in reaching people you look around this auditorium Look, look at all the fruit that's here. You're here because of somebody else. You're here because of a parent, a sibling, a friend, a co-worker. You're here because of a relative. You're here because somebody took, took the time to spend, share the gospel with you. Look at all this fruit. And the amazing thing about fruit is that every piece carries a seed, the potential to reproduce. You see... The blessed life isn't relegated to the super spiritual, to the pastors on staff, to those that are employed by the church. The blessed life is available for everybody. Jesus died on the cross for all of our sins, for all of our past, for all of our futures. And what he did on the cross was he enabled us to find our purpose again. The blessed life is that which is fruitful. It's fruitful. As I look around this room, as I preach this message, I'm preaching to myself. Dylan, 
What's your fruit look like? Where's your fruit? Maybe you wandered into church and you found yourself the wrong root system. You're looking at the wrong source. You're looking to stuff. You're looking to a person. You're looking for a career to satisfy you and you keep winding up dry. Maybe it's time to go to the source, the person that will truly satisfy you. And that person is Jesus. And he'll never let you go. He'll always satisfy you. You drink from him. You'll never thirst again. If you've been wandering, wander no more. If you've never met Jesus and you've been looking for answers, I'll introduce you to Him. It will satisfy you like any, nothing else. And you can stop wandering and come home. Maybe you say, Dylan, I love God. I'm a Christian, but I'm not sure I can do what you're telling me about. Good news is God uses stutterers. God, can you use me? Wander no more. Dylan, you don't know the things that I've done. Good news, God used a murderer. Wander no more. Dylan, you don't know where I came from. He used fishermen. Wander no more. Our life, what God has done, the purpose to why He's called us out of darkness is simply to produce fruit. This morning, would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we allow God to till our hearts and work the soil?